So we are uh, in the next couple of classes. We don't have a lot of classes. So we're going to do as much as we can. Um, we are going to be learning together a Sefer called Homer Devora. I don't know if any of you have heard of this Sefer before. Um, the Tomer Devora is uh, a Sefer that was written by Rav Moshe Cordovero. He was a Kabbalist. He lived. He was born in 1522. He lived in Sfat. Um, his Rebbe was Rabbi Yosef Karo, if that puts it in perspective, who wrote Shulchan Aruch. Um, and his Kabbalah Rebbe was Shlomo Levi Alkabetz, who's the one who wrote Zalich Um, So he definitely has a lot of good yichlots over there. Um, and this Sefer Tomer Devora is a, uh, basically, we're only going to learn the first parak. It's a much longer Sefer. Uh, the rest of it becomes much more Kabbalistic as you go along. But the first pack is um, talking about the 13 attributes of God. And he then explains what the attribute is and how we can emulate Hashem in those areas. Um, the reason why we do this now, actually, there are many. I think the Shlaha Kadosh actually said that this is a very auspicious time. Uh, to learn this, uh, there are those that say, uh, particularly between Rosh Chodesh Elul and uh, Yom Kippur, is a time to, to learn through the Sefer. Uh, as you know, if you go to Shul on Yom Kippur, right, over and over, and you say in Slichot, over and over, Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachel Mechanon, Erech HaPayim, Rav Chesed Emes, we go through the 13 attributes of God over and over and over and over again. Um, it happens to be that the version that the Ramak uses is different than that version. There are two different versions of 13 attributes. Um, so we're not going to be focusing on that one. We are focusing on a different one. Um, I'll talk more about what the difference is. And um, But either way, it still gives you an idea. You know, this is all about a time to work on ourselves. This is about middle development, working on ourselves, getting in touch with that piece of God that's inside of us. So that is what this Sefer is really focused on. Before we get into the Sefer itself, I feel like it begs for a bit of an introduction. So if you look at the sheets that I just gave to you, um, look all the way at the top, okay? Not the, the, the packet, not the other one. First, we're going to do the packet first. The other sheet was a little bit of an add-on that I just we're going to start with the packet. Okay, the first page, all the way at the top. So Yochanan says, if this wasn't written, we would never be able to say such a thing. So Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Shemayim, right? And he sees God wrapped up like a, like a chazan, like a shaliach tibor. Like if you go to shul, right, and you see him with the talis on. And what did he do? He was showing Moshe the order of, of, of prayer. Amarlo, calls man Yisrael chotin, as long as the Jewish people sin, ya'asu lefanai keseder hazeh. Hashem tells him, they should do before me this seder, right, this, this cycle over here, what I'm showing you, va'ani mochelehem, and I'm going to forgive them. And Rabbi Yehuda says that Hashem made a special covenant with us that the, the saying, the reciting, and the engaging in these Yud Gimel Midot um, will never, you will never be left empty-handed, okay? If this is something that you engage in, you're never going to be left empty-handed, okay? So we need to understand this a little bit more. What is this, like, magic, right? Or is this, like, abracadabra, some kind of incantation? What are we, what are we doing here exactly? Okay, so... I'm going to read with you a little bit from the Sifteh Chaim. This is Rav Chaim Friedlander, who was the Mashkiach of the Panavich Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. Um, and so the first paragraph, we're not going to read it inside, but basically Moshe Rabbeinu 
goes and he sees Hashem attaching crowns onto the letters. Again, this is very esoteric. What does that mean exactly? He sees Hashem attaching crowns onto the letters and uh, of the Torah. And Hashem asked him, he said, no, where you come from? Nobody says hello. Why don't you say hello to me? Say shalom. And Moshe Rabbeinu was a little bit taken aback. And he's thinking, you know, God, you're pretty shalom, right? You're pretty perfected on your, like, you don't need me to say shalom to you, right? Um, but Hashem said, nonetheless, you know, still, I want you to say, say hello, say shalom, give me peace, okay? Say shalom to me. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to go into the second pair. Uh, is it actually separated? It's, uh, is it bracketed? Yeah, okay, it's bracketed off. It says, ah, Hashem It's like sort of halfway down or a third of the way down. Does everybody see where we are? Okay. Ah, What was God revealing to Moshe when he asked him, why he wasn't saying hello to him and, and, and implying that he wants him to engage. God was revealing something to him. Very important. Okay, God, it's God's will. He wants man, okay, to participate, to partner and help God, okay, with the running of the world through his prayers. That we should be able to kind of engage with God and, and tell him which mido, right? Which attributes should he be activating at any given time? So as soon as this happened, Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, and Hashem starts, he then reveals to him all of his attributes. Through this, God increased the energy of compassion on the Jewish people. So just by the way, there were two places in Torah where these attributes were written. Does anybody know? Where was the first place that these attributes were revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu? After which sin? After the sin of the golden calf, right? The Jews were not in a good place, right? God was like, this is bad. He wanted to destroy them. Moshe and he, Hashem, Moshe begged for forgiveness and Hashem revealed to him these yud gimomidot, okay? And he basically said, you, you know, have the Jewish people engage in these yud gimomidot and this, they will be forgiven. It is written again, the 13 of them were written after Chet and nine of them, again, were repeated by Chet by the sin of the spice, okay? Because again, the Jews were not in a good place um, and they were uh, in a very big danger of being destroyed. And so um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, again, told Moshe Rabinu to say these Yud Gimel Midot. Okay, Al Pizem Uvan, Kiyashem Yitbrach, they made the Moshe at Yud Gimel HaMidot, Kedeshen as Kiran Lefanav Bipatut. So Hashem was teaching Moshe Rabinu a secret here, right? He's telling him what these attributes are, and he's telling him that they need to say this. He's telling them one word for word, right? Each single attribute. Ba'az Yafilotah. Because when you know what each one is, then you can activate them. It's clear, God, ladies, God is the one who's running the world. God doesn't need our help. He knows what he's doing, okay? He does not need us to help. But nonetheless, God wants us to participate. The example that my husband uses all the time about this is, you know, he's building the sukkah. I even have a picture. 
picture of Tanima, my oldest, uh, when she was very little, you know, helping him build the sukkah, right? I'm helping Tati build the sukkah, right? You ever see that? It's very cute. Like the two-year-old, the one-year-old is helping their father build the sukkah. Does the father really need the one-year-old, two-year-old to build the sukkah with him? No. Okay. Definitely not. But nonetheless, when they're, the little kid is helping with it, such nachas, right? It's, 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 you love it, right? It's enjoyable. Why are you allowing the child to participate? What's going on when that's when that's happening, right? Why why is the father allowing the child to do that? What's going on there? I promise you answer your question. Relationship, a relationship with the child makes the child feel like, wow, I, I'm important, right? It gives them value. Okay, there's a, create, a relationship being created here. Okay, ah, so as we said, Hashem wants us to participate, to partner with him in the running of the world. How do we do this? By knowing and understanding his ways. When we know them, when we recognize these attributes, and we put our faith in these ways that God relates to us, and we bring them up when we dive in. So God will then run the world, you know, according to um, our tefillot. How amazing is it that God is inviting us to partner with him in the way that he runs the world. For those who will that, not only this, God wants us like, he wants to hear what we have to say. Like he, he's interested in our opinion. How would you do this, right? How would you, one second, how would you do this, right? He wants to hear what we have to say. And that's why he taught Moshe Rabbeinu the way that he interacts with this world in detail. When Chazal tell us that he showed Moshe Rabbeinu the Seder, okay? Hashem is teaching Moshe Rabbeinu what his attributes are and how they reveal themselves in the running of the world. Yeah, Ana, you had a question. A hundred percent. Meaning, yes, everything comes from God. And I think it's important for us just to backtrack for a second. First of all, it's important for us to understand that when we dive in, it's not a candy machine. Okay. We're not diving and putting in our order and, and expecting, you know, what we want to come out. Okay. Tefillah is a very complex idea. And we're not talking here about manipulating God. That's not what we're doing. Okay. So that has to be very, very clear. There's no manipulation going on here. There's participation. Okay, what God is going to do with the tefillah that we give, that we say with our ideas, that's, he, he will choose how to use that. I, don't, I have no idea what he's going to do with it. But at the same time, he's inviting us to participate. You understand? So I want to hear your ideas. You know, you can be sitting in a meeting with coworkers and your boss, right? And everybody's throwing out ideas. It doesn't mean he's going to, he wants to hear everyone's ideas. It doesn't mean he's going to use everybody's idea, right? It doesn't mean he's going to use your idea now. Maybe he'll use your idea another time. You understand? Our job, like you said, we put in our hishtabas, we put in our effort, we daven, okay? We understand the way God runs the world to the best of our ability, okay? We understand his attributes and how we can connect to him. What, what happens with all of that is, is up to him. It's 
not up to us, okay? We just have to put in our participation, okay? Aleinu mutal hatafkid, lil mod, our job is to learn. Our job is to understand, to know, so that we can insert it into our tefillah in the proper way. Uh, the example that I like to use is like, anybody ever see a set of screwdrivers, right? Whoever thought they were like, I don't know, 25 different types of screwdrivers, um, but there are, right? So ever try to like take a screwdriver that's too big, like for a screw, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I can have a screwdriver that sort of fits everything, you know what I mean? And somehow I managed to finagle it, to, but it's certainly gonna be much more impactful and much more useful for me to have the right size. Okay, so I like to look at these attributes that we're learning here as like different size screwdrivers, okay? And so we understand which screwdriver do we need to use at a particular time? Because the Ramak actually says at some point that when we understand Amida of Hashem, right? And we'll, please God, probably next time we'll really go through the first one or two. Um, and I say, okay, Hashem, I am now emulating your Amida of fill in the blank. I am allowing the, that energy into this world and, and not just into my own personal life, but in a cosmic way, okay? So it's like turning on the faucet and allowing that energy to come in. So I wanna, I wanna have the best tools. I wanna have the right toolbox. So that's what we're learning how to use. We're, we're, we're developing a toolbox to be able to understand how we connect, can connect to God in the, and, and understand him in the best way possible. Again, what he's gonna do with our tefillah, what he's gonna do with what we're asking for, that's not up to us. But we're doing our best to participate in the, in the most effective way possible. Um, the more that we understand in detail his ways and we trust them, that only through this channel does God want to help us in this situation. Okay, it's going to help me be able to hit my target better. Okay, I'm, I, it's, it's going to enable me, like I'm playing a game of darts, it's going to enable me to be able to hit my target in a more effective way. Again, God wants us to participate. He wants that relationship. Okay, he wants us to, again, feel engaged in the process and not to just sit back as passive participants, but to be engaged in this world, to be active participants in this world. Okay, um, so that's number one. Okay, so, you know, again, as I said, Chaita Egel, the sin of the golden calf, was the first time that these uh, attributes were really given over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, Chaita Egel, I would say, is like the paradigm of sin, right? If we think of sin, that was like one of the first major, I mean, we have the Chaita Be'itadat with, with Adam Rishon, but this is definitely a paradigm of sin, okay? And so, Sinning is something that oftentimes happens and we don't really know Hashem. We don't really know. Either we don't know what he wants, we don't understand what he wants, maybe we don't even care what he wants, but we don't really know Hashem. Okay? And so when Moshe is saying to Hashem, show me who you are, okay? He's saying, if I really know you, Hashem, then I'm not going to go against you. So I really want to get you. I really want to know you. I really want to understand you. Okay? So the Yud Kimomidot are you'll see as we go through them, they're anthropomorphized, okay? Uh, meaning 
because they want, we, we need to be able to relate to that. Okay. Obviously God does not have, he's not corporeal, right? He doesn't have a body. He's not a physical being. So when we say that he's using his hand, his eye, whatever he sees, like, obviously that's not real. Okay. He doesn't do that, but it, it helps us to be able to appreciate. And we also have to realize, and we're going to see soon that the way that we were created, our bodies sort of symbolize uh, physically God's spiritual attributes, okay? So our eyes represent that concept of sight. What does that mean in a spiritual way? Does that make sense? Okay, so uh, it's again, it's a little esoteric, but nonetheless, our physical bodies somehow represent all of these um, abilities, okay, and all of these senses. And I think one of the most important things for us to understand is that when we're learning about the Yud Gibbomido, we're focusing really on two things. First of all, we're thinking about the Midah itself and God's presence, but we're also thinking about and feeling that presence in ourselves. And that's the most important thing. I, I have to make it very clear that when we're learning this, as much as this sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't be like that, like that's just too much for me. Everything that we're learning here, this it's, it's inside of us already. God planted this all inside of us. We just have to get in touch with it. He's not asking us to connect to something that's outside of us. He's asking us to connect to that piece of godliness that's inside of us already. We all have the cohort, the ability, um, these strengths already, they're latent inside of us. Um, maybe some of us may be more in touch with some than, than others, but you know, we all have a lot of schmutz, right? We all have a lot of stuff on top of us, layers of, of garbage that we kind of have to, you know, we're trying to unearth, we're trying to get in touch with these pieces of ourselves. And I think that that's extremely, extremely important. Um, again, so we're not asking anyone here to be something that, you know, not, it's not, that's not me. No, it is you. I promise. This is all you. It's just a matter of finding that that piece of you. Um, and another important point is that it's going to be impossible for us to really work on purifying our mido if we don't first have any control over these mido. Okay. So the goal here, and we'll see as we go along, is that what we're trying to do here is to like disrupt that knee jerk reaction, right? A lot of times when we're in a situation, we react emotionally, and we don't that's not the right way to react okay when we act emotionally what usually happens i don't know about you but it's not usually very productive right it's not it doesn't usually end well so we want to try to get rid of the emotional reactions and we're trying very much to focus on making logical right uh intellectual understanding and decisions okay to be in control of our emotions and in control of our reactions okay and so that's how god runs the world god is not emotional okay he's very much in control and if we want to emulate him we also need to do the best that we can to be in control and that starts with identifying what is this mida okay and part of the process here which we don't really go into so much but also is trying to understand why am i struggling with this mida why, what, what, what is holding me back personally? Once I understand what the media is, then I have to see, well, how do I fit into it? How does this fit into my world, right? How am I, how am I doing? And if I see that I'm really failing with this media, I have to try to understand where the, you know, understanding has gotten disrupted. And now everything is just about emotions because once everything is emotional, I'm really, I'm really in trouble. Okay. Fine. Okay. So um, I actually just want to show you also, go to the next page. Just a couple of quick points. We're not going to do all of this, just a few little pieces here. Um, 
actually not let's let's hold off for this for a second i'm going to get back to this keep it open we'll get back to it in a minute um let's just understand for a minute again this idea of I say the Yud Gimel Midot, and then what? I'm like immediately forgiven. Like, how does this work? Okay. So, in one of the svarim that I have on uh, on the Torah Devora, so he gave an interesting mashal. He said, "Imagine, you know, you're walking down the street, and like way off in the distance, you see someone acting like like he's obviously drunk. He's just like rolling around, acting crazy, right, making a fool out of himself, and you just feel like." obviously you feel bad, but like, you know, it's some random person, you don't know who it is. You're, you're, you know, you're about to like walk away, walk on your, you know, on your merry way. Um, and, but as you're getting closer, you see, wait a minute, there's like tits that are peeking out of the, of the guy's shirt. So now all of a sudden you don't feel like this is just some random, whatever, like now this is a fellow Jew. Like now you feel a little like it's more responsible. Right. So you start to make your way over. And as you make your way over and you're trying to see who it is, you see, oh my gosh, that's like the guy who sits next to me in shul, right? And now you feel even more like responsible. Like I have to go over and like protect him and like try to like clean him up a little bit and get him out of the street. He's making such a fool out of himself. And as you get closer and closer, you realize, wait a minute, that's not the guy who sits next to me in shul. That's my son. Okay. You see, it's your own child. Now, obviously when you see it's your own child, you have a lot of compassion on this child. Okay. But when it's a stranger, when it's someone you have less to do with, what's what? How does the compassion? What's the display that your that your compassion will bring you to do? Right? How how are you going to behave when you see this person? Judge. Right, but you, you're going to judge. Like, yeah, we'll get yourself together, right? But what, what am I going to try to do for them? Say that again. Well, the more like again. Right. So when it's somebody you have nothing to do with whatsoever, right, you're just like, oh, and it's, you know, you, it's like, this is someone who's not even part of my tribe, you know, you're just like, all right, I, I don't I can't stop it. I can't do this. But as you see, like, wait a minute, no, this is a fellow kid, you know what I'm saying? Then you feel like I want to help them, right? I want to, I want to bring them inside, you know, and you it's somebody I know, oh my gosh, even more so. But when you see that it's your kid, I know it's hard to appreciate it because you're, you know, you're not parents yet. Not everybody's one or two of your parents. Um, what do you do when you see it's your own child? When you see, can you, you can imagine, okay? If you see that it's your own child who's really making a mess of themselves, right? So what is that compassion going to now look like? <laughs> What's wrong with you? What are you doing? You're crazy. You know what I mean? Like, how could you do something like this? So it looks like, doesn't even look like compassion anymore. What does it look like? You get angry, right? It looks like din. It looks like, ju- you know, it's it's justice. But where is that justice coming from? Where is that din and anger coming from? It's coming from compassion because my child, like you're you're better than this. Like, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't, what, like, what are you doing to yourself? So it's a very interesting concept, okay? And uh, the Sefer brings down from uh, with Itzla Belzer. Okay, again, it says this idea that the closer you feel, to someone, right? The caring, when the caring that you have for someone is so strong, um, again, coming from a place of compassion and from a place of pain, but the way that it's gonna display itself is gonna seem very strict, okay? And so if you think about it, when we're coming to God and we're trying to like say, God, but we're your kids, you know what I mean? On some level that can backfire because if we're God's children and he sees us messing up so much, what's, his, what's he gonna do, right? The more he cares for us, it's going to look very strict, okay? So how do we save ourselves from this? So what, what's the goal here? So that's why if you, again, just, you don't have to turn back. I'll just make sure you see, again, when he says here, 
as long as the Jewish people are sinning, that word ya'asu, which means what? What does ya'asu mean? I can't hear anyone. Say it out loud. You will do, to do. Meaning, he's not saying read this, right? He's not saying recite this. He's saying do this, okay? When we do this, when we are engaging and, and, and being active participants in the Yud Gimel meaning what? What we're learning right here. This isn't just about knowledge, ladies, okay? This is not just about knowledge. This is about, you know, integrating this into ourselves and making real changes, okay? That's the way that we can, you know, kind of, I guess, counter or I'm trying to think of the right word. We'll use the word counter for right now. You know, this incredible, anger, you know, and, and frustration that God feels towards us, again, from a place of compassion. But how do we reconcile that? What do we do with it? So when we, when he sees that, wait a minute, no, Tati, don't worry. Like I'm working. I, I want to be better. I know I made a fool out of myself. I can't believe I did that, but I'm, I'm going to make it better. Okay. So that already mitigates um, some of that, some of that anger. Okay. And we'll hopefully make that compassion look more compassionate as opposed to making it look more, more angry. Does that make sense? Okay. So now let's go back to the sheets. The back of the first page. Okay. Just want to show you a couple of quick points. So um, on the right side, you took because Okay. We're, we're going back to that um, uh, mashal that he gave, right? Uh, that vision, visualization of Hashem being wrapped in the talents, right? That's how Moshe Rabbeinu saw, quote unquote, saw God, right? He meets God wrapped in the talents. What is wrapped? Why, why was he wrapped in the talents? Again, everything that God was showing him was for a reason. It wasn't like by accident. Everything that Moshe saw was to teach him a lesson. So, what does this being wrapped in the talents teach him? So he says, Mivayara Maharam. So the Baharal explains, If you go to Shor on Shalat, right, you see the women obviously aren't, but the men, right, are wrapped in the towels. They put the towels over their head. Why do they, why do, they do that? Anybody know? What'd you say? Yes, to focus better. I didn't hear what you said. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. That's not what I meant. Maybe that's true. Right, you're in a zone, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I sometimes wish that, like, especially at the cold town, I don't know how these women go to the cold town and just cry, like, for everybody to see. Like, don't you sometimes wish you could just, like, yeah. make this little own separate cubicle that, like, yeah. right, that no one can watch you, no one can see you, right? And you'd be able to just, like, connect in the way you really want to connect, but you feel a little bit, like, intimidated or inhibited to do in public. Okay, so when a guy is in shul and he's wrapped in his towels and it's over his head, it helps him be able to focus, to concentrate, okay, that I'm not, I can't look from side to side. I'm just, I'm in my zone, like you said. Okay. Um, so this is what God is trying to teach us by the fact that he was wrapped up. Excuse me. Okay. So when I'm saying the Yud Gimel I'm very much focused. I have Kavana. I have intent. Okay. In, in, in focusing only on Hashem right now, I'm turning to God. If a person is intent in their tefillah and they're not straying from God, 
So when you give God your undivided attention, so to speak, he does the same thing to you, right? When you're talking to someone and you feel like they're giving you your undivided, their undivided attention, it makes you also, you're, 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 you want to give them your undivided attention as well. So it's like, uh, I don't want to say it's tit for tat, but it, it's reciprocal. When a person is totally focused on God, not looking right or left, like someone who is wrapped up in a talis. Hashem is with him too, right? And he can be, he can reach a state of of dvekut, of real connection. So that's the way we should daven, okay? When we are davening, when we are talking to God, we should be in a state of focus and concentration, right? The more that I focus and concentrate and give God my undivided attention, he will do the same thing for me. So we have to learn God's midot. And to strengthen ourselves with recognizing him, because it's only these attributes of God of compassion that are really going to save us. Okay? There's no other way around it. It's really only through God's compassion that we can be saved. That's it. There's nothing else that can save us. So when I when I am standing in shul and I am saying over and over and over again, I am basically saying, Hashem, without you and your compassion, I would be toast. Okay, like I understand that these needle, the fact that you are so full of compassion, this is what's going to allow me to be able to redeem myself. One sec. And according to the level of my kavana and tefillah and my trust in God's midot, so too, okay, in consonance with that, Hashem is then going to answer us. Yeah, Mother, you had a question. Okay, no problem. Okay, so that's that. That's one idea. Um, the next idea, I'm not going to read it inside, but he talks about the fact that Hashem is clothed here, right? Hashem is wearing a talit. He's talking about the bush. So just something that I thought was interesting. He says, the needle of a God, the attributes of God are his lavush, are his clothing, okay, so to speak, his garments. And if you think about it, he brings down the paradox of, of clothing. What are the what is the paradox of clothing? So on the one hand, we know that clothing covers us, right? So it allows a person to not see us. But on the other hand, depending on what we're wearing, especially if you're wearing some kind of uniform, it allows people to actually see you, to know you, like you're a doctor, you're a policeman, right? Um, and so that's the paradox here. On the, we have to understand that as much as we try to really understand what God is about, these midot serve both. On the one hand, they like mask him and you're just like, wow, these midot are like mind blowing. Like, I don't even know what this means. But on the other hand, it also gives us a little bit of a glimpse into who God is. Okay, so there is a little bit of that paradox. I think we all have to just be prepared that there's just so much that we can um, that we can really accomplish here. We, we will do our best. Okay, and let's just go all the way down to the bottom of the page on the left side, where it is bracketed, the word sarich. Okay, so he says, sarich lahakir takadosh baruch bidracha. The person has to recognize God in his ways. Ach etzem hayadia im kol chashivuta ina hatachlet. But ladies, the knowledge, okay, that is not the goal. The idea, 
the intellectual knowledge of knowing what God needs. So, so if I go and say, Holly, what are God's attributes? And you're like, and you just sit there and you recite them all to me. Yes, that is beautiful and lovely, but that is not the goal. Okay, it's not just about recitation. It's not just about knowledge. What is the tachlit? What do you think before we read it inside? What's the tachlit? What's the goal? Why? Because what happens when I emulate them? You put it into practice, you change, and thereby what? Okay. I cling to God's ways. Okay. If you do what you, you do yours, you do you, right? As we like to say, you do you and I'll do me. Okay. But when you do yours, then I will do mine. Meaning don't look over my shoulder. Okay. Don't worry. I got this. Okay. You do what you have to do and I'll take care of what I have to take care of. So what is mutalalinu? What is then incumbent upon us? To learn, to understand, to recognize God's ways. To wrap ourselves in it, to be focused and concentrated on it, to clothe ourselves in it. To go in God's ways. Know me and don't just know me, but be like me. Okay? I want you to be like me. Don't just know it intellectually. I want you to now take all of this knowledge and internalize it because if it's not internalized, on some level, it's a little bit useless. Okay? Yes, it's very nice, but until it becomes a part of you, it's not so helpful. Okay? So that's really what the goal is here. Okay, so if you look at the next page, just I thought this interesting to just see, by the way. Okay, the next page are, it looks like a lot of writing, but there's really only three psukim that I want to look at. Okay, these are three different places in Parshat Akev, which we just read a couple of weeks ago on Shabbos. Okay, the first pasuk, okay, at the top, in Parakhet, says, Right, so... Keep mitzvah of Hashem, which means what? Go in his ways, right? And to fear him. Okay? Keep that in your head. Next, Pasuk, in Paragyud. Right? My fellow Jews, what does God ask of you? To fear God. We see that phrase again. And love him. The last Pasuk. Okay, God says, If you keep all this, this mitzvah that I command you to do it, to love God, again, a third time it says, and this time it says to clean to him. Okay, so these are three very important components in our Vodat Hashem. There's Yirat Hashem, right, to fear God. There's Ahavat Hashem, to love God. And then we have Dibekutva Hashem, which means to cling to God. Okay, these are three levels in our Vodat Hashem. And how are we going to be able to accomplish these three levels in our Vodat Hashem? That is the mitzvah that this Sefer is based on. Okay, what does it mean to go in God's ways? So not so simple to understand, but uh, I want you to look at the sheet that I gave out to you, the single sheet, okay? So 
It's actually, I, I realized that I also have something from the same record on the last, last page. They're very, very similar. So we'll just use this one for now because we want to just shorter. Okay, this is from a sefer called Sefer Haredim. It goes through all of the mitzvot. Okay, here's one. Anybody else need? Okay, this is the last one. I only have one more and then I need it. So I'll give it to you after. Okay, just to see it inside. Okay, how does the Sefer Haredim uh, explain what this mitzvah of Hidamot Elavis Brachtu? To be like God, what does it mean? Interesting. He says, Look at the top. Right? God is compassionate, so you should be compassionate. Right? He also, he has another level of compassion. Um, he is a chassid, he's pious, you should be pious. This is very interesting, and this is based on the Rambam, by the way, and it says the same thing in the, in the Sefer HaChinuch. How should we act? What does Mimutza mean? Average, like the medium, okay? What does the Rambam talk about all the time? The golden medium, right? Don't be extreme. That's Halicha Bedrachav means don't be extreme. So when you see people out there who are acting fanatically, that's not at all what it means to emulate God. To emulate God, to go in his ways means to be medium, okay? To be healthy and balanced. I like the word balanced. To be balanced. And this is what Avram Avinu was telling his own children. Okay, to be balanced. Okay, that that's what it means to be to be Okay, to walk in God's ways. Now, to be honest, I had in my head that halicha bedrachav and zvekut were actually very similar. I thought they were really the same thing because, believe it or not, um, it's actually in this last week's parsha when it says uvotid bakun. What does Rashi say? Rashi brings down. What does Dvekut mean? Hashem is Rachum, you should be Rachum. Hashem is the Cholim, right? He visits the sick, you should visit the sick. He buries the dead, you should bury the dead, which is pretty incredible if you really think about it, right? Because if I were to ask you, you know, the highest level of serving God, Davuk to be Davuk by Hashem, right? Super clinging and connected to God, what picture would you have in your head of like what that person looks like? I can tell you what I think. I would, I'm curious, what, what would you think? Right. If you had to paint a picture of what, like, the holiest person, what would they be doing? The lady at the hotel, dominating, right? The, the rabbi, you know, sitting over his gemara and learning, right? It's the person saying to him all day long. That's not what it means. What does it mean to be davuk b'ashem? It means to be compassionate with people around you, right? It means to be interactive with the people around you, but to treat them properly, right? To treat them with sensitivity, to treat them with love, to treat them with kindness and compassion. That's what it means to be Davut Basham, which I think is pretty mind-blowing. So the truth of the matter is, I always thought the Halakh to Bijachav and Dvekut are really the same, but I just want to show you this, uh, this also from the same Sefer. He explains what is Dafka, what, is, what does it mean to be Davut Basham, okay? Uvot, so mitzvah asay the dafka bo isfrach. It's a mitzvah to be davuk b'Hashem, as it says. Uvot idvak. Hainu tokef ha'ahava shalo yitharit oni menu afilu rega. This is talking about the strength, okay, of the love that you have, that it doesn't leave you even for a minute. So ahava 
is definitely a level, right? Loving God. But Dveikut is already like on steroids, okay? It's like, I have a, but like times 2.0, two is that what I want make sure I say the words don't sound stupid but like to love Hashem to hear his words his voice and to cling to him so the Beikut is higher than Ava it's not the same thing it's like your whole heart is invested it's all in you're all in he says, You remember God all the time. Your mind never removes itself from him. Whether you're in your home or whether you're walking on the baderech, you're walking on the road. You're up, you're out, you're sleeping, whatever it is. To the point where, like, I'm having a conversation, right, with Yoni right here. We're having a nice conversation, but my, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but like, I'm, I'm with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm here, and I'm not saying I'm totally not here, but I'm, I'm, my, my, my heart is really with, with God. My heart is always with Hashem. Okay, so that's what Dvekut means. So the way to achieve, ladies, these levels of Ava, of Yira, and of Dvekut, which again is like the peak level of connection to Hashem, is all through Bahalicha Bidracha. It's all through emulating God's ways. And that's again what the Sefer is really all about. Did you have a question? Okay, I'm sorry. You raise your hand in this. Okay, no problem. Um, okay, so I think what I would like to, uh, to do with you um, is to open up the Sefer. Okay, so in this version that I gave to you, we're doing Karakrishon, okay? Which is for Aleph of the Chodesh, which is today. Yeah. Not keeping these. These belong to the school, okay? Um, I don't have any more. If anyone can share and. Okay, perfect. Okay, so this is not the first Midalis. This is just the introduction. So let's just read this today, and then please God, next week we'll start with the first Midal. Okay, it is um, befitting for a person to emulate his creator. Then you will be like taking on that supernal shape. Salem, Udemut, okay, the, the shape and the likeness. Uh, let's stop there. Tell Udemut, okay, because I, I, I have things to say about, about this. Let's look at the first, this first question, okay? Ha'adam ra'uish in the Melokono. First of all, the word Adam, okay? Why is he using the word Adam? What did we learn from the word Adam? There are actually two places where this word comes from. Anybody have any thoughts? Done. Everyone says funny. Someone always says mm-hmm. no. That's not dam is blood. Yes, yeah. but that's not adama. Okay, which is the ground. Okay, and one other word, which is beautiful adama to be like to be similar to. Okay, so there is again this paradox. We are called adam. 
Because why? We come from the Adama, right? God created us from earth. So there is a very, very base earthly perspective of who we are, okay? Um, and so that's, when we learn to see what you share, we learn like that's like our natural inclination is to just be, right? We'd like to just sit on a lounge chair and sit lemonade and not really move, okay? So we're like gravity. What That's what gravity is. It's like we are earthly people, okay? We, we can be very, very base and not really move anywhere. The other part of who we are is what? What do we all have inside of us? We have a neshama, okay? We have the ability to be adameh le'elion, okay? To emulate, to be like God, okay? And so we have that part of us that is striving for more. So that's hence the tug of war that we always feel inside of us, that part of us that just wants to go back to sleep and the other part of us that's like, no, let's go to a share, right? And it's constantly fighting with each other. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that if we let the Adama win, okay? So uh, the Medra said, it's, it's, it's like, you're no better than a, than a, than a mosquito. You're worse than a mosquito because a mosquito comes on this earth and he's doing God's mission. You're not even doing God's mission. You're just sitting around doing nothing. Okay. So we don't want to be in that space of letting that part of us win. Okay. So the reason why he uses the word Adam is to remind us that we have these two components. Okay. We don't want the lowest level of who we are to, to be victorious. Okay. So Adam Again, he's using this word Does anybody know what that word means? It's fitting, right? It's appropriate. Now, to be honest with you, this is actually the Halakta Bidrachav. As you saw, there were three places it was written just in Parashat Ikev. It's written like 11 times, say for Devarim. This is a mitzvah, Doraisa. What should it have said? Should it have said Ha'adam Ra'uishiyah Demelakono or something else? What else could it have said? Ha'adam Mitzvah, right? He's commanded to be, right? Like his, like his Kono, like God. Why does it use the word Ra'ui? Why is it using the word that it's fitting or appropriate? Okay, so there's a couple of potential different reasons. Okay, first of all, we're not, the goal here is that we're not doing this because it's a mitzvah. Okay, we're doing this because we're like God groupies, you know? Mm -hmm. Like my husband always says, I want to be like Mike, you know? Like I want to be like Michael Jordan. I don't know, whoever it is, he's old already, but you know, mm -hmm. think about your, you know, your, uh, superstars, your rock stars, your sports figures, you know, your idol, okay? We want to be like that person, okay? So deal. we want to do this because we want to be like God, okay? So there's an element here of, I'm not doing this because it's a mitzvah, I'm doing this because I want to be like God, okay? So there's that level, okay? Another important component here is that the word ra'ui versus the word chayav, right? It could have said that a person is chayav to see himself. What is the word chayav obligated? What, what connotation does that have? Meaning what? It's a, it's a mitzvah, right? It's a mitzvah. You, it is a decree, so you have to do this. Ra'ui is coming to us from a little bit of a different place. It means even had it not been commanded, right? it still would be fitting for you to do this. There's an element here of really understanding and seeing that this is the right way to be. It's not just about God told me to do this, so that's why I'm doing it. Ladies, this is not about checking boxes at all. The halachta bedrachav is not about checking boxes. The halachta bedrachav is about, I wanna be like God. This is the right way to go. Even if it wasn't commanded in the Torah, I still would wanna do this, okay? And the word we also can come to teach us that 
every single one of us has the ability to do this. This is not out of anybody's realm. We all have latent innate protocol to be able to do this. And as I said before, it's just a matter of getting in touch with that. Okay, so we have to emulate our creator. So what would happen, right, if I was like God in body, but in actions, I wasn't like him, okay? Meaning I, I look like him, whatever that means, but I don't act like him. So what, what does that mean? So he actually brings here, um, if you look at the book that I gave you, uh, it's this page, it says Paragrishon. We're just gonna look at the, it's in the packet, not the single sheet. It's uh, the right side of the page. This is from Rabbi Yisrael Salman, who's the So he brings something interesting, which I think is also interesting because it's relevant, very relevant to Yom Kippur, because at Yom Kippur, right, we're all in school going, and one of the things we say is kizavnu. It's one of those words you like. I don't know what that word means, but okay, fine. I'm already saying all of it, so kizavnu, fine. What does kizavnu mean? Okay, so he's using here the word hatsura. Okay, meaning that you're falsifying your stature. When a person looks like God, because as I said, remember I told you, the physical body that we have represents spiritually all of God's, you know, kohor and whatever. So I look like God, but I'm not acting like God. Okay, so I am being machsif hatsura. I am falsifying or misrepresenting God. Okay, so let's look what, what he says here. Okay, he's bringing here the difference between two words. The word sheker, which means what? A lie. And kazav, which really means deceit. Okay, what does deceit mean? That's, that's what we're trying to understand. What's the difference between a lie and deceit? Shekhar is, I straight up lie to you. Like, this is not true. I'm telling you, Julia, I'm going to meet you later at five o'clock. And I know you're not meeting later. I have no intention. That is a straight up lie. I say, Julia, I'm going to meet you later at five. And at that moment, I have every intention of meeting you later at five. But what happens? The bus got stopped. I don't know, whatever happens, okay? Uh, as what happened this morning, the bus gets hit by a truck. I don't know, something crazy happens. I get stuck in traffic and everyone was okay, don't worry. <laughs> but like, you know, welcome to Israel. Crazy things happen. There's some kind of like hafgana in the middle of the street and people are rioting, who knows, okay? And I couldn't make it. So I had every intention when I told you I was going to be there, but Lemafreya, meaning retroactively, I was lying, basically. It wasn't true. Okay, that is what kazav means. So to here. Our tzura, ladies, the way that we are, the way we present ourselves, okay, when we walk down the street, we are, right? It's, it, we are representing godliness. Um, in the world. And so our physical realities represent the fact that we are created in God's image. But if my actions don't prove, right, the reality of the way that I look, 
harino So then I'm like a kozef. I am a deceitful person, right? I'm I'm walking the walk, as we say, but I'm not talking the talk. Okay, this is the way I look, but this is not who I really am. So a person might be fooled, right, at the outset, but pretty soon they see that like I'm not really representing. God in the world. Okay, that is called mechazim. This is pretty strong language. Everybody knows what a chil Hashem is? Okay, basically the word chil Hashem, a halal is an empty space. I am sucking God out of the world. Okay, that's what it means to make a chil Hashem. I am taking like a vacuum and I'm sucking Godliness out of the world. Okay, so that is a chil Hashem. When I am not acting in accordance with the incredible nido, with the with the shorish of my neshama, with who I am, okay? God implanted within me unbelievable strengths, right? I have a piece of godliness within me, and I am not behaving in consonance with that, okay? That is achil Hashem. You probably don't like to hear that because it's a little scary, okay? Because we don't think about it like that. But so like someone will say, I mean, look, we see this very in exaggerated forms all the time from page of the news, right? The, the guy who's like, looks religious, but he stole everybody's money or something along those lines. That's like a, an exaggerated, you know, example. But even in our day-to-day life, we have to think how this happens to us too, okay? How this can be us. It creates This, this right, this deceit is considered a sin. And so when we are in shul, on Yom Kippur, going like this, okay, and we say, when we get up to Kizavnu, okay, that's what we're talking about here. We are bemoaning the fact that we're not stepping up to the plate and are, we're, we're not being completely honest with who we really are meant to be. Okay, that's what this means. So that's something you can have in mind when you're seeing uh, your, uh, you know, your, your, what's it called? Where's my head? <laughs> your vidui, thank you, on Yom Kippur. Okay, um, so let's just try to finish. Okay, so who maks it in Katsura Viyomru? Viyomru Allah will say about him, Sura Na'a Umasim Ka'urin. He's very handsome, right? But his deeds are ugly. The only way we see Hashem really in this world is through his actions. Okay. As we said before, how is it helpful for us to represent God? As we said, God creates us in a physical form that represents all of these unbelievable abilities and kohot that he has. So how is it helpful for us to look this way, but then not to behave in a way that really represents him? Okay. So the truth of the matter is, actually, uh, I heard this, Masha, I, I thought it was really great. Um, so it was this woman, Amitya Kubi, I think her name is from Great Neck. Anyway, she said, we're like, um, we're all like vague photocopies of God. Okay. You know, when you make photocopies, too many photocopies, and it just gets lighter and lighter and lighter. So she says, but when we emulate God, what we're doing is, is we're, we're filling in you know, we're, we're making the ink really strong so that we're getting ourselves back to like that original copy, okay? The more copies that we make, like the farther we get from God, the more faded we are, but the more we emulate God, the sharper we become, the sharper that image becomes, okay? And so again, that is part of what the goal is here, for sure. So we want to emulate his actions of keter, 
which is a very Kabbalistic, uh, it's one of the spherot, okay, to which God uh, connects to this world. Um, that he says he's going to go through it one by one. Just so you should know, okay, and we'll end off with this, that there, as I said before, there's two different versions of this, of these attributes, okay? Um, and maybe I'll just show you here the other side of what we just read. Um, so there's one version that's written in the Torah itself. Okay, and then there's another version that the Ramak uses that's written in Sefer Micha. Okay, and uh, so let's just let let's just see what he says, how he explains it. We're not going to read all of it, just a little bit. So Okay, so these are the Yudgimomidot Elyonot. Okay, this is the version that's considered supernal. This one particular, the one that we're learning here in the um, in the Torah Devorah. Why does the Ramak prefer this version? over the other version that was written in the Torah, okay? There's differences, by the way. If you look at both versions, okay? If you look at the version that's written in the Torah and the version that's written in Micha, they're different. They, they don't, they're not exactly the same at all, okay? So, um, if you go to the next paragraph, okay. There's a very big difference between these two versions. The Yud Gimel Midot that are written in the Torah are, it calls it the ways of, of Avram Avinu. How did Avram Avinu come to believe in God? Right? He looked in the world, right? And he said, there must be a God in this world. Okay, so the version that's written in the Torah is something that's more common sense. Like, I look in the world, I see the way things run, I understand that this is how God relates to us in this world. Okay? That's, that was Avram Avinu's avoda, um, and he worked on those middles. This second one, okay, the second version, he said, is not like that at all. The second version is much more Kabbalistic, much more deep, much more, you know, supernal. And so it's not the kind of thing that you would be able to look in the world and say, oh, I get it. This is how God relates to us. Okay, it's much deeper. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that, um, and we'll end with this. I'm sorry to keep you two minutes late, but the, uh, the, the idea being that um, Rep Scheinberger, who wrote a commentary on the Tomer Devorah, so basically, um, what he's explaining here is that uh, this version that we're learning here in the Ramak, okay, is Kulo Chesed. The one in the Torah is a little bit of Din and a little bit of Chesed. The one here is Kulo Chesed. This is like the loftier one where we're, you'll see when we read these Midot, like it almost seems like you're going above and beyond the call of duty in terms of the kindness and the sensitivity and the compassion that you have on others, okay? And that's what got, that's what we're trying to aim for here. We're trying to aim to be the most incredibly highest, best version of ourselves possible, the kindness, most compassionate version of ourselves, okay? And so that's why the Ramak is bringing this particular one. First of all, we want God to 
relate to us with pure chesed at this time, but also for us, we are, it's like a dab, it's like a tefillah for us also that Hashem should help us become the most kind, compassionate and sensitive versions of ourselves vis-a-vis the way we interact with the world around us. Okay, so we will end with this and the Hashem next week we will move